you gotta handle the rock with flair and rhythm if you want to be judged on wood brain and concrete courts in new york this ain't no nickel and dime it's dribbling dimes where scoring never looked this good i guarantee it but was your reputation built from the playground up or did you call next and they took that ish all cause you weren't as fast as police and ambulance sirens or as loud as mr softy ice cream no you see this is New York City hoops in prime time. As beautiful as the skyline, it's dribbling dimes. Yo, what up? This is Manny Digital, and welcome to another episode of Dribbling Dimes. I'm here sitting in Mount, at the College of Mount St. Vincent in Riverdale, New York, which is really the Bronx, but, you know, we're in Riverdale, so you have to talk like that. Um, I'm sitting here with the head men's basketball coach here at Mount St. Vincent. Um, he and he's also the associate uh, director of athletics. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. Why do they call it director of athletics and not athletic director? I don't know. That's semantics. Okay. All right. Good. I, I just want to make sure there wasn't something I was missing. Um, he was the head coach at Rydneck High School in Mamaroneck. He also played and assisted uh, coach-wise at uh, Iona Prep. Uh, he's also a graduate of Mount St. Vincent and played here for all four years. He holds several men's career titles here. Uh, most notably, he is the all-time leading scorer, current, presiding here as we record. Um, he's also leads school in three-point field goals made. And he is a member of the illustrious 1,000-plus point club with a total of 1793, so 1,793 points. The man was a walking bucket, ladies and gentlemen. Would you say you averaged 27 points in your senior year? Senior year, that's disgusting. Um, With us is head coach, Mr. James Mooney. Welcome. Manny, I really appreciate the opportunity. Let's kick it, man. My man. Yo, listen, it was a pleasure meeting you. So so we got to know each other thanks to Coach uh, George Lopez yep. at um, Stepanak High School. Um, they put on a great event, a coach's clinic. Um, so shout out to Coach Mazzaroni and, and his crew out there for putting that together. Um, so this is a child of those discussions and those events. So thank you guys yep. for the connect. Absolutely. Um, so tell me, um, you and I are both from the Bronx. I actually grew up not too far away from each other, which is dope. But you decided to go to Iona Prep instead of down the street to St. Raymond High School. Correct. We're going to get back to that. But I want to find out, just you growing up in the Bronx, in section of the Bronx you grew up in, like, what was it about, when did basketball become a thing that you felt ambitious toward to pursuing for a long period of time? Yeah, I mean, that's a question I even ask myself all the time. I don't know when, where, or how the game of basketball like, fell just fell on my lap. I mean, my dad, like we spoke about, straight from Ireland, basketball, I don't even think he knew existed. Right. You know, my mom. Is, I'm sorry to cut you yep. off. Is your dad the type of person that looks at soccer, for instance? When people say soccer, he cringes. Like, does he call it football? You and know what? It wasn't you even that. So, like, in Ireland, you have Irish football. Okay. So, yep. Irish football is like soccer with your hands. Yep. It's, that and hurling. Hurling's like hockey on grass, oh. but like it's it's brutal. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. those are his two sports: soccer, football. Like he didn't like okay, he, he didn't, didn't care less about it. Interesting. And Ireland and in, in Ireland soccer or football, whatever you want to call, it, is not that big. Not that popping. No. See, that goes to show you how much I know about Ireland. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> so so it wasn't something that was immediately 
uh, e- like easy for you to fall into. Your dad wasn't into it. No. Your immediate family probably wasn't either. No. I mean, I have an older sister. She's three years older than me. She's not an athlete by any means. So, like, for me. No disrespect. No, no, disrespect. no, no. She's doing her own thing. But, like, for me, I just, I've asked my parents, like, how, like, did I have a Fisher Price? And they said, like, if they could remember correctly, I think I had, like, a Mickey Mouse basket. Got hoop, it. Like a Fisher Price hoop. Right. And it just sort of like, I just clung to it. And I just, from as for long as I can remember, basketball has just been in my life and I can't get rid of it. So it was just your social circle, likely yeah. people around you were playing and you just gravitated toward it. Well, Santa Maria, where I went, you know, they had a really, really good program and a yes, legendary coach, Mr. Eugene New. Mm-hmm. He literally retired a few years ago, did 30 years volunteer, Damn. you know, coaching. God there, bless. his daughters went there, and he just taught because he loved the game. He's a St. Ray's grad. Um, Lopez knows him very well. Damn He's straight. a fixture in, in the St. Raymond's community. You said Eugene? Eugene New. New. Yep. Okay. Um, Never so, met him, but I'm looking for him now. You will. I, I will make the introduction. All right, dope. But he was like the Pat Riley, <laughs> Phil Jackson. Like When you looked at him, he's 6'2", 6'3", whatever he is, big guy. He was a figure, and you look at him, and you're like, wow, Like who is this guy? And then you watch the basketball team play, and – like, I remember, like, I guess first grade, second grade, everyone aspired to play for Mr. New. Oh, that was the thing. And so, like, you couldn't play until third grade. Okay. And I, I remember distinctly in first and second grade being so pissed off that I could not play basketball. That's this young. Is, this is not even a, like, AAU. Yeah, you yeah, You had yeah. Gauchos, Riverside, but not, like, where you could have second grade now, AAU. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to wait. And I remember chopping at the bit, waiting to play. And You're seven, eight. It don't maybe. matter, man. It just it was something that I was like hungry. really, really hungry and drawn to. So you were already playing ball for a second 100%. grade. One hundred percent. Yeah. Yo, that's insane. Whenever I could, and like for as long as I can remember, we so we lived on the corner of St. Raymond's Avenue and Rolling Street. No one knows where Westchester Square is, by the way. That's funny. Like no one knows. They're like, what? <clears throat> like it's not Throgs Neck, it's not Castle Hill, it's Westchester Square. You say the hospital, I'm like, oh, maybe. They don't have a clue. Yeah. So long story short, we had an alleyway. We lived in an apartment building. My parents were the superintendent of the building. Got so it. all I had for a backyard was this tiny alley. Mm-hmm. And we hung a hoop on the wall and like I would just be out there all day and just shooting and shooting and shooting and then eventually we got the the, the basket off the wall and we created like an actual pole basket yep. no adjustable though like yeah. it was 10 feet there Fixed. was no bring it to 6 feet I had to shoot on a 10 foot rim in order to play at that age at that age so my shot was probably all busted but I didn't care like I was just clung like I just I can't what what was your addiction at that time? Because you're young, really young. Was it just seeing the ball go through the hoop and trying to recreate that every time? Was that like yeah. what drew you to the Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like they say with golf, like you hit that one shot down the middle of the fairway. It's like hitting a home. You're, you're stuck. You're drawn to it. Mm. And I don't know, I guess with basketball, because I can only shoot so high, so the ball ain't floating in the air that long before it's going right. in or out. Right. And I guess I just kind of loved it. And also, too, growing up, I was watching Jordan. Of course you were. So you put all that as a perfect storm in basketball. You know, it's been a love affair ever since. So you so, so you finally got on the team with, with Coach New. Not even. Oh. He was varsity. So <clears throat> ah. I had to wait till my seventh, eighth okay. grade. Now, there were rumors because his daughters had graduated. He's retiring. 
he had been retiring for 25 years. Oh, Every year, this is my last year, and I kept saying, oh, no, 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 you, wait for me. You better wait for me. Right. So I had to go through Pee Wee, which was third and fourth grade, then JV, which was fifth and sixth, and then finally to varsity for seventh and eighth. My Pee Wee coaches was an eighth grader, mm. and eventually high school guy, Anthony Rendino, Richie Kingston. Like these were like volunteer fathers and, and like students even that yeah. just coached basketball and. You know, it was just, I loved the game. You know, I just, there's just no words for it. So as I played, you know, now I'm playing games and now it means something. And, you know, every day now it's like I couldn't wait for practice. And there was no five, six days a week of practice. Right. You're talking two days. Two. Yeah. Like, that sucks. Yeah, it does. So for me, I was, there was no off days. I was in the alley. That's it. And that was, that's interesting because it's a, it's a very safe environment where you were practicing because mm-hmm. it's, in your building, practically, right? Yeah. And were there others that played with you, or was it pretty much your your private paradise? It was my private paradise. I mean, the tenants would sometimes complain because I didn't care what time, what time of night, morning. Like I'm dribbling that ball, and because we're in an alley, it echoes yeah, echoes crazy through the whole building. So there were some tenants that you know complained, especially if they were new to the building. But the, the people that lived there long enough, they just kind of accepted it. Hmm. Like it was, and thank God because. You know, I don't know what I would have done that otherwise. That could have stifled your playing interest in the game. Listen, I lived around a few blocks away from St. Peter's Park. Mm-hmm. My parents were not letting me yeah. go to St. Peter's no, Park. I don't so blame them. there was nowhere for me to go. Like, where else would I play? There were times I would play fire skate basketball. Like, you're shooting through the ladder of the mm-hmm. fire skate. That's what I did. Yeah. So I didn't care. Wherever I could, whatever was a basket or a target, that became my hoop. So were, I just, you, were you focused on all like developing your all-around game, or was no, it just shooting? Strictly shooting. I could tell by your twenty-seven yeah. point average. <laughs> no, dribbling and, sh- and passing is so overrated. But <laughs> you know, why do all that work? Just give me the ball; I'll do the rest. <laughs> but you know, for me, it was just shooting. Like, and I hated that part. Like, I didn't. It wasn't until I got older where I said I really should have worked on my ball handling mm-hmm. because I became limited. And if you look at the game now. If you're not an absolute gunner, like you could yeah. knock down like Redick and Corver and these dudes. That's like, exactly who I thought of when you said that. And that's very hard to do. Like you're a specialty. It's just you got to do more. Mm-hmm. You got to be able to put the ball on the floor. You got to be able to defend. Like the game's different. So if I were to be playing now, you know, I would have a totally different game. I would have to to survive. How, how do you encourage your players to do that? Because especially now with the advent of like a Steph Curry always in, in media and you know every big man now in the game in the NBA is shooting from half court practically. Yep. How do you get your players to adhere to that all around type of mentality in their game? Well, I think for the most part, at least with my team, they love to put the ball on the floor more than shoot. You know, oh. they want to break you down. They want to, you know, Bash shake you, you up yeah. yep, and then rise up and shoot over you. So they're not necessarily looking to shoot the open shot. They'd rather break you off the dribble and shoot off the dribble, and step back, And that's back. part of – you're good with that. Like that's As long as it's within their game. Got it. You know, the, we talked about today <clears throat> in practice. I said you got to understand who you are and what your game is. Sometimes when you play certain teams, like the Warriors, for instance, teams get suckered into that fast – let me shoot threes with you. And like now it's run and gun. And guess what? You're you're just not built for that. Mm-hmm. You know, the best way I, I equate it for some of these guys is you look at cars, right? And I said, like, if you're a Ford, 
You can't drive the same way a Ferrari does. Right. But if you try to, guess what's going to happen to your Ford? It's going to shake. It's going to like, it's not going to be the same. That's what you have to understand who you are. So you're trying to play with a team that's built like a Ferrari, but here you are, you're really a Ford or a Honda. You just not, it's not going to equate. Yeah. So it's hard for a kid at 18, 19, 20 to kind of recognize, yeah, I am a Honda. Absolutely. And nothing again, Hondas. Everybody's a Ferrari at that age. That's it. So it's even hard to say, hey, I'm actually not good at this. I'm actually good at that. No one wants to hear they're inefficient at anything. Yep. So it's just you just gotta have to kind of show the film and speak to them and like say, hey, it's not a like it's not like I'm criticizing you. It's more of like, hey, do what you're best at. Yeah. Like I'm not gonna sit here and paint my house if I'm no good at it. I'm gonna actually get a painter. Right. Otherwise, I'm just gonna botch this whole thing. And now I'm I'm in the hole more. So if you guys want to be on the court. Do what you're strong at. Otherwise, guess what's going to happen? I'm going to get mad at you. I'm going to take you out of the game. and On the bench the whole time. And then no one wins. Do you think, though, that they are also equally as afraid, potentially, of, let's say, their best attribute is rebounding, Mm -hmm. right? Not the sexiest thing on the court these days. But Dennis Rodman made a whole career. Ben Wallace made a whole career out of these things. Not so much anymore for somebody to be that specialized and have a long career in the NBA. But I, I would imagine if that is somebody's absolute strength on your team, is that something that you would encourage them to be, you know, granted, their playing time might be limited, but you know when you can count on them, would they be okay with taking that role? <sighs> That's a great question. I think it depends on the person, you know, and also, too, the relationship you have with that player. Like, it's like it's like a lot of things. you got to sell people on certain things. Like, hey, man, like, you're really good at rebounding. Like, I don't understand... I don't think you understand the value you add to our team by being able to rebound and keep teams to one and done. Like, But I'm also now conscious of they want the kickback. They yeah. want the reward. So yeah. with it, I'm going to give you playing time. Okay, yeah, we might be a man down offensively. But you know what? We're going to make sure he's involved. And we're going to make sure he's involved in the offense where he's catching it, getting touches, and not, all right, just pick and I roll. I'm really a decoy. Like, no, I'm going to run stuff through you. And I'm going to insist that our guards or whoever gives you the ball. Mm-hmm. And then I'm actually going to be mad at you if you don't shoot it. Because ultimately, let's be honest, everyone wants the bucket. Yeah, absolutely. So there has to be a point where, hey, if I'm making my bigs rebound and run 94 feet up the floor, I better make reward sure my them. guards reward them and make sure that they hear me mm-hmm. yelling. Give, them give the ball. So-and-so, so-and-so the ball. Because now they know I got their back. Right. You know, so it's just with everything else, people got to understand their roles. They got to understand they're a piece to a puzzle. You know, they might not like their piece, but they are a piece to it, an integral piece. So, so back back to your your development. Mm-hmm. Um, so you you eventually you know surpass your your JV and you get to varsity. Coach New is still there. Yep. What what happened? So. You said every year, practically, he was saying that he was retiring. Yep. So you were on edge every single season. Yep. You finally get there. He's the man run, running the show. Yep. What what happens? Like how Because I imagine that's a pivotal point in your development to get you ready for the next level. 100%. What's that first experience playing for him? So with him, there's a level of passion and demand and just... You know, like he played, like he played at St. Raymond's. And then I think he even had an offer to go to St. John's. Like he was a good player. So he knew what he was talking about. 
and it wasn't against any of my other former coaches, but they were more like volunteer and they like, yeah. you know, they knew of the game but not knew the game. So now playing for Mr. New, you're learning the game. And he was someone, man, that God, God love him. God bless him, man. He, was, he would open up the gym, even if we didn't have practice for open gym to just get shots up or to play pickup. Wow. You know, he organized like three-on-three three tournaments. And it's like, he, like, those opportunities that he opened for me gave me more opportunities to play, be in a gym, compete, rather than just be in my alley. Mm-hmm. You know, knowing that some of us just couldn't go to a park to play for a variety of different yeah. reasons, safety, whatever. Yep. So him doing that for us, you know, for me, I took full advantage of it. And then, like, outside of our season, he was putting us in summer leagues and all this other stuff. And then eventually introduced me to AAU. You know, I was on a team with Alan Ray, Curtis Sumter for the Riverdale Wildcats mm. for, like, a year <laughs> or two. And it was like, like, then I was really introduced to what, like, basketball really Big is. Big time competition. You know. So that was in, in junior high? That was 7th and 8th grade, yeah. Wow. Yep. So then I'm assuming you, you were shining when you were in 7th and 8th grade. Mm-hmm. Were you like the leading scorer of your team? Like what, what was your To a degree. There? To a degree. I mean, <clears throat> I started 7th and 8th grade, but I wasn't necessarily the leading scorer. Um, you know, my shot kind of ebbed and flowed. It was weird. You know, I could score, but I wasn't this scorer. In a lot of ways, I was actually more of a point guard. You know, one of my best friends, Brendan McNiff, he was my score. Like, he was our score. He was the one scoring 30. I more or less would score like 10, 15. Mm-hmm. I was more so, I just wanted to facilitate and just have the ball in my hand. Yeah. Not touch. like break down, like just, hey, open man, pass. Right. And when I had an open shot, take it. You know, it wasn't until really college where I started like just going. So wait, take me take first of all, I have a bone to pick because yep. Coach News, St. Raymond grad. Yep. Um, you could have been, but you chose to go further away for reasons that we're about to get into yep. now. Yep. Um, I'm always obviously rooting for St. Raymond, so the, the more tuition that comes in the door for me, it's <laughs> a great thing. I'm with you. Um, but you you decided to go further away. What were some of the reasons as to why that happened? So my mom. Is a retired school teacher. She taught at PS 106, which is directly across the street from St. Raymond's. Oh, so, that is. Yep. I knew the name sounded familiar. Yep. By so, the playground. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So she was a kindergarten teacher, and so education for her was first and foremost. Mm-hmm. So there were several reasons why I ended up buying on a prep. Number one was is she she wanted me to go to a strong academic school. It was nothing against St. Raymond's, but it, it, it kind of is what it is. Like Spelman, I wasn't allowed to. And she also wanted me to get out of the Bronx. Okay. She wanted me to get away from the kids I went to grammar school with. Change your environment a little bit. Change it entirely. Yeah. So the options really became Fordham and Iona. And I remember going to the open house at Fordham, and I'm like, this isn't it. Like, <laughs> this is not it. And it's nothing against Fordham. They're a great school, but... It was one building, no type of campus. Yeah, no. I mean, they were right from the jump saying six hours of homework and this sort of stuff. And I'm, I'm not about that. Yeah. Like, I understand the importance of school, but I'm, I also I mean, have an, an end game. Yeah. You know, so. What was the end game? To play. To who? What, well, at what level? Like, NBA, of course. Okay, okay. Of course. Now, at that point, you, you just don't understand how no, hard of course. it is. No, of course. So I'm an idiot and naive enough thinking that I have a chance. No, but that's fine. Everybody's dream is the same. 100%. Yeah, it's fine. So then I remember I had never heard of Iona Prep in my life. 
How I found out about Iona was through baseball. So I played for Bronx Chester. Okay. Yep. Right off the hutch. Yep. I don't even know if it's still there because I know Mercy and Mercy hospitals and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah. But we used to play there, and a friend of mine, this kid, Jonathan DiOrio, he was talking about Iona Prep. Iona Prep, he's a Morris Park kid. And I'm like, what the hell is Iona Prep? So sure enough, I go on open house. And as we're pulling up to Iona, I'm like, holy mo-. Like, this is this is a high school? It's a high school. Yeah. So I, I, I was like, done. I don't need to go into a building. I'm looking at the, the soccer field, football field. I'm like, I'm done. Like, and that, that was it. And Iona Prep was my one and only choice. Got in. Rest is history. And the rest was history. And so it wasn't even, it was an academic choice before anything else. Well, location. Academic choice from my mom. Yeah. Which limited me to mm-hmm. where I could actually go. Mount St. Michael was out because almost all my ki- friends that went to San Maria, they all went to Mount. Interesting. Or raised. It was like one or two. Spelman was kind of an off yeah, school. Off, off, yeah. But that was it. I mean, what other school would you really go to? Did you know about the basketball prospects there before oh, you had yeah. Okay. At where? At Iona. I didn't. Uh, I didn't have a clue. So you picked the school before even understanding whether or not they even – I mean, obviously you assumed they had a team, yeah. But whether or not it was good, you didn't. That didn't no, matter. No, I knew not, and you had no internet, so right. yeah, you couldn't. There's no them. way to look them up. So I remember, I think it might have been like my seventh, eighth grade, and I remember going to a basketball camp at Iona Prep, and mm-hmm. that was where I was able to gauge the level of competition. I'll be honest with you, I was like, wow, like this is a different. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about a camp, not like a tryout, a camp. And that was your kind of way of being recruited to go to that school. Right. There was no AAU and all that stuff. So I'm like, this is going to be hard. Like, this is going to be tough. Hmm. And I remember, like, kind of nervous but also, like, excited. Take on the challenge. Take on the challenge. And when I got to Iona, I think freshman trials was, like, anywhere, like, 40 to 50 kids. Split up into two groups and, like. It was it. A couple of days, probably. A couple of days, yeah. yeah. And I remember it was just day by day, hoping your name was still on the list. And, I, man, I think we ended up with, a, like, a 14-man roster. And when my name was called, I mean, it was the best feeling in the world. Wow. So so you make the freshman squad. How did you guys fare that season? We won the championship. We really? beat Fordham. Yep. Damn. I didn't play a bit. Not a, not a, not a lick. Not, like, not even... In the championship game or throughout the season? This is like, not many people know this. So, Good. Tell us to us. <laughs> so I didn't play like at all. And the head coach was Greg Carollo, who was Coach Vic Carollo's brother. Okay. Coach Vic is a CHSA Hall of Famer. He was, you know. He I don't know me. him very well. Actually, I've never heard of his name. He was but before Steve Alvarado, who's now there. Okay. So um, <clears throat> long story short, I don't know what it was, but I never played like ever. There was, a, there was a game where Coach Greg didn't come because he was sick or whatever, and the JV coach filled in for him. And I remember him always referring to a paper, which basically outlined who played. Uh. And I kid you not, everyone got in the game but me. And that was a point where I almost quit basketball. Your name was like in red on that paper. Like, I don't do even not, think, not even in the case of So the JV coach, Preston Brown, he he literally came up to me after the game and was like, I totally forgot about you. I am so sorry. Oh, shit. And you didn't quit after that? That would have probably made no, me quit. No, like I, yeah, I was I was on the verge. Like I, my mom had to kind of talk me off the ledge. Like it was like, I am done. Yeah. And like, I'm going to keep it real. I was killing dudes. 
like I was like what in practice? You yeah, mean? like I just didn't understand why I'm not playing. Right. Like I just couldn't understand that concept. Do you think you would have been realistic with yourself at that at that stage if you weren't killing cats in practice? Yeah. Would you have understood? You think if you weren't at that out? age? Yeah. Hell no. No. Right. Absolutely yeah. not. But like, even Coach Greg Carollo at the end was like, "Yeah, I made a mistake." Mm. But you didn't because you you were fu- you were feeding this literally animal in me. That always had this chip yep. where it was like, okay, like you think I'm not this, I am that. And every year, and like my, my time at Iona was not fun at all. It really wasn't. As far as basketball goes? It was not fun at all. Mm-hmm. Iona Prep is the best school by far that I've ever experienced. I've only gone to one, but like just sure. knowing the landscape, I would send my daughter to Iona Prep. That's how good Iona wow. Prep is. Um, you know, academically, athletically, just the, the, the building, like, it's so well done. It's a very, very good school in so many different ways. I would recommend it any day of the week. Hopefully I could afford it, you know, when the time comes for my son. Let us pray. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like, just basketball-wise, I, I wanted to transfer, but my mom would not let me. So I remember there came a point where I was like, you know, screw this, man. Like, I'm just going to. Because also, too, you got to realize, and I looking back now, I remember, like, my attitude sucked. So when I realized I wasn't playing, like, I literally didn't care anymore. So I just strolled to practice. Like, I really didn't like, care. Like, yeah, yeah, And then there came a point where it's like, you're not doing yourself any favor by doing this. So This was you coming? Yes. This came to you? Yes, on your 100%. Own. So my mom wouldn't let me quit. And the coach isn't throwing me off the team. I'm not doing enough to, like, get kicked. Off, but yeah, doing yeah. enough for you to notice I'm pissed. Right. And I'm like the baby running in the corner. I want you to come. And I never got it. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, you know, I don't care anymore. So we're now entering the playoffs. And, you know, Greg, Coach Greg got this broad idea to make me the best player of the scout team. So whoever we were playing, I was going to be that team's best player. So it was just play. There was no run the offense. We would run this flex offense, which drove me nuts because you weren't allowed to take more than two dribbles. Everything's a blast cut, screen this, screen that. You had no freedom. It was right. And all four years of this. So that's a hell of a system. (laughs) Tell me about it. I mean, so we, so I just was able to hoop and I was killing dudes. And I was like, you know what? This is my game. And I'll just go. And I had a bright attitude. And I was like, I'm just going to bust their ass. Yeah. Simple as that. Sure enough, we ended up playing Fordham in the championship at Fordham because that was like the host site in the high school. Yep. And I remember, I knew the back of the plays of every team we played, like the back of my hand, because I had to run them every day for practice. So here we are. I'm sitting at the end of the bench, and Coach Greg just ran to me. He goes, Mooney, go in there and set that blast screen or down screen. Now, I'm telling you, I run like... Number one, I can't believe I'm, my name's getting... Like, this is the championship game. What the hell are you doing? Right. Let me tell you something, man. I get in, and the first possession's on defense. And I remember Fordham calls whatever play, and I remember, like, my man's going to take me down, then pop, and they're going to pass. And I knew I would play dumb, go to Willem, and as soon as he started shooting up, I took a step back, let them make the pass, and jumped it. Mm-hmm. Layup. Dude, Manny, we... I scored, I think, 10, 12 points... I hit the game winner layup off of a steal, and we also went to overtime that I got the game tying steal and layup. Wow. And people were like, "Who the who's, hell who's this is Mooney? this kid?" <laughs> no one knew. So that was my freshman year, and so two, you didn't play a lick no, the whole season no. until 
coach to a championship game. Wow. Do you ballsy? Did you ever ask coach why he decided to put you in at that moment? I don't. A great question. I don't think I ever did. It was more like you know, you just, what the hell are you waiting for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, okay, you know, like, but he'll always <laughs> you joke been like, this. you know, like, yeah, I don't know, and like, you know, it was a rough few years, I guess, you know. But again, it it only made me stronger. It yeah. only made it tougher because what do you now do in those situations? Quit, transfer. So when you're stuck, what else do you do? What else do I do? And I loved basketball. So who are you to take that passion away from me? Like screw you. Like you could you could easily just fall, become the victim, and have the crap attitude. Hundred percent. But you had that awakening. You were like, all right, I got to make the most of this. Yeah. And JV year, two of the best players that we had, Chris Murphy and Jimmy Janicek, they ended up getting moved to varsity, which I hated. Because I was like... That they went and you did it? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, fine. But rightfully so. They played, they started, and whatever. So now JV became my year. Okay. I was starting and playing. I could shoot whenever I wanted. JV. So wait, so that freshman, that championship game basically was your coming out party. 100%. And then now you graduated into JV. So now I'm at the JV freedom. level, freedom. Like The guy was like, listen, if you play defense, you can shoot whenever you want. My type of guy. Preston, love him. So... That's what I did. And now when you go to varsity, now I'm under Coach Vic Carollo. How many years at JV? Uh, one. One. Yeah, because okay. it was freshman, freshman year, sophomore, JV year, and then junior, senior was varsity. Got it. So junior year, it was freshman year all over again. Never playing, barely got off the bench. And now you're talking about going from freshman year now to playing and now going backwards. And now you're older. Yep. And it was a tough pill to swallow again, man. It really, yeah, really was. It's a roller coaster. Was. Your confidence was really low. Then it peaked. And now it's back down on the ground. Yep. And so I went through junior year really pissed. And me and Coach Vic butted heads all the time. And he was a structured guy. And, you know, at San Maria growing up, like, it was Bronx basketball. Like, there was no, like, it was like Hoosier basketball. Like, triple yeah, threat, yeah. step around, bounce pass, chest pass, thumbs down. What the hell are we doing here? Like, let me hoop. Mm-hmm. Like, I could score. And, you know, finally, you know, as the years passed, Coach Vic, recognizing who he had, he started to go that way. But back then, absolutely not. Hmm. No freedom. And, like, listen, we won. So who's to argue? So it's working for him, yeah. It's working for him. So my senior year... I was coming off the bench. I was sixth man. And at that time, I had no aspiration to play college basketball because, like, I can't even play high school. Yeah. I didn't know the difference between Division One, Two, or Three. I had People no don't. clue. Yep. So all of a sudden, after my junior year, we went to, like, a team camp in Williams College. And, you know, they're kind of like showcases. The CHSA had, like, a senior showcase, and I went to that. And all of a sudden, I'm getting letters. And I'm like, oh, I could actually maybe play. Huh. Now my senior season comes, but I'm not getting in the game. No so burn. a coach would come see me play. No burn. And no burn. What a, and I'm telling Coach Vic, like, I have the opportunity to play college, and you're screwing me. What did and he say? He was like, well, listen, like, I'm here to win. I'm games. not here to try to get you to college. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm here to win. And, like, that was the, riff. the, the battle. And, you know, we won a city title. We beat Fordham at Iona College. That was where the game was hosted. And then we lost to Tim Cluse, his uh, St. Mary's team oh, from Long Island okay. for the for the Federation. Iona coach now, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So they, we lost by 12, um, you know, and then 
from there, it was like, all right, where am I going to play college? So how your senior season, you got sunburn? Some, but like... You said you were six man. I was six man. And you want to start. Yeah, yeah, And like that's even the battle I have to tell my guys. It's like, guys, I know you want your name called. But really it comes down to who finishes. But at 16, 17, 18, you don't want to hear that. No. You want James Mooney and, you know, dab everyone up yep. and start. That coming off the bench, no, nah, that ain't it. Mm-hmm. That ain't it. But... I found myself in the game when it mattered. My minutes were up there. Yeah. Certain games, not all the time. Sure. And that was kind of the struggle too because, you know, I was now becoming that shooter. And when I, within the offense, can't really find where I could shoot, it became frustrating. Yeah. So basically I had to like, and I got good at it like with the flex. If you were the corner guy and you were getting that blast screen, I would always fake the blast screen and come it. up and catch and shoot. And I found ways within the offense to find my shot. Mm-hmm. Some days it worked, some days it didn't. You know, if it was going in, you know, no harm, no foul. But if I miss, sometimes yeah, you're, you're like, "What are you doing? Yeah. Like that's not the offense." Yeah, yeah. And that was just a constant battle. But it, you know, Coach Vic and I are now like best friends. That's funny. You know, but I hated him. I, like, I can understand. Hated it. him. <laughs> Ooh, boy. Not enough to quit though. Not enough to quit. And again, like my mom would not she let would me. Not let it. No. God bless that lady. God bless her, man. How did the College of Mount St. Vincent come into play? So I originally was recruited and committed to Manhattanville. Okay. And what ended up happening was I was kind of lied to. I won't say the coach's name, but I was told early on in the year, hey, you're one of three guys I need to recruit. And great. When I committed, he's like, all right, perfect. This was like almost the start of my season very early on. And then he just goes silent on me. So I don't hear from him. I don't see him at my games. Nothing. Now I'm thinking, oh, maybe because I committed, he doesn't need to recruit me anymore. But, like, you still got to recruit. So long story short, my season ends. And because I couldn't go to Coach Vic for help, because, like, him and I— You guys are adversaries. Yeah, we didn't get along. I went through our varsity B coach, Coach Frank Conroy. And— he had coached here at the College of Mount St. Vincent. So he first gives a call to Manhattanville and goes, you know, hey, just checking in. Sure enough, the coach calls me, and now he's speaking a totally different tune. Yeah, we brought in actually nine. You might need to play JV. I'm like, what? What the hell's a JV? Like, what are you talking right. I'm not going through this again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now I decommit to Manhattanville. I'm like, screw you. I'm not going there. And now Without I'm, having a backup. No you backup. You just said, no, nah, I'm not no doing backup. that. So Mount St. Vincent wasn't a school that was initially recruiting me. So Conroy, who knew the school, knew the coach, Coach Chuck Mancuso, who was here for 20-something years, he tells him about me. And then sure enough, it all came full circle. People I went to Santa Maria, Santa Maria with, wow. much older than me, went here. Oh. So there was kind of that familiarity in a way. Like yeah. I knew they went to college Mount St. Vincent and now all of a sudden friends that I played with through CYO at Samaria are now coming here. That's interesting. So I was like, let's go. So Frank Conroy puts me in contact with Coach Chuck Mancuso. I come and visit and like it was like boom, let's go. Done. And here that's where I ended up. And then <laughs> so again, no promise of well, what was the basketball prospect for you? Like did they sell you on basketball? Listen, man, at the end of the day, I know that basketball there's no scholarships. Basketball. No, but. yeah, yeah. So 
and it, and even at that point, I started to I think slowly figure out the difference between the three. You know, because like divisions. I'm, I thought like everyone was on TV at college. Right. No. Right. You know, like even the lower light, you're not on TV. So I finally started to recognize the difference between the three and. Really, what he saw, I think the campus was beautiful. The campus yeah. is beautiful. Yeah, it is. So, as soon as I walk in, it's like Iona again. Look, this is a campus. You know, when you're in Riverdale, yeah. but it's the Bronx, it's the and Bronx. you think like, you know, you look like a Lehman, you're like in the middle of a city. So, there's no like gated, mm-hmm. like, there's nothing to it. So, when I entered this campus, I was right away, all right, you got me there. <laughs> and then when he was talking to the basketball aspect of things and who was coming, I was like, let's go. And like, you, knew, you knew some of the people coming yep. in? Okay. Yep. So I was like, let's go. We're going to kill it. And I think there was like eight of us that came in. You know, two from Spellman, one from um, Scanlon, one from Blessed Sackman. Like, we were all from the CHSAA. And like, again, some of them I actually played grammar school basketball with. So it was like a no-brainer. Right. And... You know, we came in with like like this chip. Like we didn't care who the sophomores were. We were like we were calling ourselves like the Fab Five, and we came in and like gangbusters and like let's go. We didn't care who you were, and it didn't rub people the right way. Not at all. Of not. But we didn't care. Cocky Bronx guys coming in. <laughs> yep. So and that's kind of you know. But I also came in with a, a different chip. I'm not repeating high school all over right. again. Yeah, you got something else to prove. Man. I got something else to prove. So. When I came here, there was no guarantee. Like, I wasn't told you're going to play or start right away, you know, but I was told I'd be on the team. And that alone, I was like, all right, now I got to really up my game and be ready. And I was. So, out of the gate, you was just walking bucket. Like, how, how did you, because to amass 1,700, somehow, almost yeah. 1,800 points, like, you got to be raring to go from the jump. Yeah, so I remember, you know, tryouts and, like, coming from my own, you had to talk, you had to be in a defensive stance. And, like, I had the structure mixed with the street. Mm. You know, so I had both going for me. So when I now enter this situation, I know help side defense. I know ball screens. I'm talking, like, and some of these other kids that come from different programs, they weren't taught that. So I right away from the jump had an edge. Yep. You know, like, I was able to play right away because I knew the concepts. You know, I knew how to do things, how to play the game, how to read the game. And now you combine that with the skill that I had been acquiring and, and the hunger with it. I was a freshman starter, the only starter. Hmm. You know, we had two seniors starting, I think a junior, and like, here I am, shooting guard James Mooney, ready to go. And that's what I did. Just light them up, man. Like, And you had the green light. Green light. That's dope. So how, how different was your experience being coached at the collegiate level versus high school because it was rife with yeah. all sorts of you know strife right yeah, yeah versus now in college it seems like from from the gate because of what you picked up in high school mostly you were able to fit into a system that your coach was running at the time mancuso right mancuso yeah coach mancuso that he allowed you certain liberties at, at a very early age where yeah. a freshman usually is confined in many cases it sounds like you were let go. Oh, yeah. What What would you attribute that to? Was it, like I just mentioned, like the fact that in high school you went through all that stuff and it just elevated your game to a point where it proved you right away for your, your college coach? Yeah. I mean, so okay. I didn't appreciate Coach Vic until literally, I think, maybe the first or second day of practice when I'm realizing where now I am above everyone else. Mm. And right away, 
I, I had this affection and appreciation towards Coach Vic that literally, like on a dime, went from absolute resentment to deep admiration and appreciation, like deep. And like I've told him repeatedly, like, you know, I, I really, like, thank you. There's, if I came from a different place, I, like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if maybe my attitude would be worse or I wouldn't have that same desire or hunger because I was, you know, I hadn't proven anything. Right. But I was constantly having to prove something at Iona to now where I'm at Mount St. Vincent. And it's ingrained to me to have that to prove something, you know, and like having Coach Vic or whatever take away that opportunity for me to play and limit me and like use me in a certain role. I didn't like it. And so coming here was like a fresh start. And I just wanted to play. But I also, it's, you're you trained. Those, yeah. You have it in you to see ball, see man without moving your head. And like Coach Vic, it, like when it comes to preparation, like there's no one better. Like truly, it doesn't matter what team he had. Every year Iona Prep was able to compete. No matter who the opponent was, we were ready. Hmm. And not too many coaches... I mean, this guy would manage how you stretch. Wow. If he would walk around game day in the cafeteria and make sure you're eating right. Damn. And it was annoying. Of course, at but the time, my for sure. God, like, it all makes sense, man. Like, it really does. Like, Are you doing any of that now as a coach? You know, it's there's levels to it. Like, <laughs> you can't because I just, you got to be able to adjust and adapt. Yeah. And with certain people, you might be able to. But, like, me personally, knowing what I went through, I'm going to micromanage you in other ways. Like, there comes a point, especially at our level, you're now men. You're a grown-up, yeah. you got to figure that out. Right. So, for me, no, I don't necessarily micromanage, but I get it. I totally get it. I understand it. But, yeah, coming here, you know, I, again, I just had a point to prove. So, so how quickly does it escalate to a point where you're like, and, and I'm assuming this, maybe I'm incorrect in my assumption, yeah. but... Did you end up becoming kind of like the captain of the team at some point? My in sophomore year. Wow, yeah. that fast. Yeah, because I don't think we had a senior my my God. sophomore year. So it was all juniors, sophomores, and then a few trickled freshmen. And I think I was one of three captains. <laughs> um, and then I was a captain sophomore, junior, and senior year. And what What would you say throughout your college tenure playing, what was the biggest highlight for you? Like a specific game or... Just like season. Where do you feel like your game elevated to a point that you didn't imagine it could get to? My senior year. Okay. I like, figured that was it. So like looking at my averages, I was 10 my freshman year, 15 my sophomore year, 19 my junior, and then my senior That's year was 26. Now, my role changed sort of each year. like, Or I wouldn't say changed, but it grew. Mm-hmm. Like freshman year, I was confined. So you kept building. I just fed in. And then, yeah, so now offenses are kind of being geared around me. My minutes are going up. My shots are going up. So, like, with that, the points came. Now, I will be the first one to tell you that my shot selection was horrible, Mm. but I didn't care. You were just a gunner? I was a gunner, and no one ever told me differently. My coaches let me go. So James Harden Harden was looking at you when he was like, you know what, I'm just going to go. Yeah, he was like, James Mooney, got it. But – Growing up, not growing up, J.J. Redick and I are the same age, but exactly how you watch J.J. Redick play a Duke running off screens, yeah. that was my college career. I wasn't this spot-up guy. I was coming off screen after screen, catch on a dime, pivot, shoot, all in one Quick motion. Quick release. Quick release. 
and you know, I only have a split second as I'm cashing turn to see the rim and just fire. I didn't have time to figure out if a guy was go, like had his hand up. I didn't care. I'm gonna shoot over you. Mm -hmm. And for me, no shot was a bad shot. Like <laughs> if I could get it off, that's it. Was it was a great shot. That's it. <laughs> really, so truly. This, it, you as a coach today, right? I would kill me. You would okay. I would kill me. Really? I really would. I would murder me. What do you tell players on your team that might act that way now? Like, because you got to also be realistic, right? Mm -hmm. You you were that way. Yep. You had a certain runway to be that way. Things are very different now, of course. But yep. like, do you have compassion for them, or are you just like you're screwing up the entire thing? Like, do you get on their case really heavy? I'll be honest. Like, I you knew I was putting in the work, and you knew okay. what I was capable of, and. There was no one day, I'm taking it easy, another day, like, I'm going all out. I was, I was just one speed. Like, and that's not to blow smoke up my ass. Like, that's just what it was. Mm -hmm. There would be days, don't get me wrong, where I'd walk into the gym and I'd say, James, you played the night before, played 40 minutes, le legit, like, yeah. not exaggerating, 40. I wouldn't come out of the game. Wow. And here we are practicing. We have a game tomorrow or whatever. And I would say, James, take it easy, take it easy. You're, you're beat up, take it easy. And then, like, all of a sudden, man, practice starts and... 100 miles an hour. It just can't... I, can't, I couldn't can't control stop. it. Like, there was something in my head that kept saying, you're a punk. You're tired, you little... You know what? We'll see it. And that's what I did. Like, there was just something in me that wouldn't allow me to just take it easy. The competitor in me, the just... And I guess maybe that fire that had been brewing for my Ever. entire high yeah. school. Like, it just... I couldn't take it easy. I couldn't. Do, do you look at that now, right? And and I don't know if playing basketball at that level with that much tenacity has caused you to have ailments now that might have been because you know how yeah. now you see all these studies like yeah. playing one sport for so long, yeah. like so so repetitively, there's injury or what have you. Looking at it now, would you have done anything differently no. in your development? No, I mean, growing up, there wasn't AAU. So yeah. like my junior, senior year, I wasn't playing AAU. There was only Gauchos and, and Riverside. So you had really plenty of rest, so plenty to speak. Plenty of rest, yeah, and yeah. thank God, because in all honesty, I remember in high school, I had a set shot like Steph Curry. Catch one motion, get fired up. I didn't have the ball handling skills, and I recognized at like an early age, actually my freshman year in high school, that I gotta change my shot if I really wanna play at the next level. And I'm watching Michael Jordan. They don't shoot the way I'm shooting. Mm -hmm. So I had to f shoot like them. Like rise up, get the ball above your head and fire like a true jump shot. Mm -hmm. And I remember going to like Coach Greg after my freshman year. I said, hey, I want to change my jump shot. He look, looked at me like I was nuts. He's like, why? Like I was a good shooter. And he's like. I think that's hilarious. A freshman is like, I want to change my jump shot. But like a shot that was working. Yeah. yeah that's and, ultimate, and on top of that. That right. was how I got on the team. Now here I am, I wanna you know, reinvent the wheel. And he's like, no. And all, at the same time, I'm like, can you help me? He's like, I don't have a clue how to change your shot. Right. There was no YouTube. No. Nah. And like shot doc, that didn't exist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what was I doing in my alley, literally like trying to figure out the timing. I'm in front of a mirror, like working on wow. it and I couldn't figure out. And, it, and I also think too, part of my struggles in high school was I was trying to figure out my shot. Mm -hmm. And it really wasn't until my senior year where I got the timing. Because when you jump up on a jump shot, there's this little window of when you're supposed to release it. I was either shooting on the way up or sometimes shooting on the way down. And finding that 
perfect balance. Perfect yeah. balance was very difficult. And when you had no one there to help you, it was every day trying to figure it out. How did you know that you found it? It just started. It just. What, what what was it, what was it like? Did, was it a feeling? A was feeling. It just, okay. A feeling, and that's why I equate a lot when it comes to shooting. Like guys, we could talk about elbow here, hand, whatever. There has to come a point where you feel it. Yeah. And now you just got to repeatedly work to have that, Find that feeling, feeling because that's what it is. You're talking like, oh, maybe my thumb tucked in, or maybe I didn't snap my wrist hard enough. You know, and I tell guys all the time, once you release that ball, if you have that feeling, you know it's going in. Right? You see the guys looking away. Yeah, like, you close your eyes at that point. You know it. Yeah. If you don't have that feeling, you haven't worked to get to that point. Mm-hmm. And that's why the battle with my players is you want that free reign, you don't work to get you it. You have to earn it. And I that. know what that looks like. I did it myself. So I'll let a guy go, but it has to be earned. As you're saying this, I feel like you're talking to me directly because <laughs> <laughs> my inconsistency, I'm, as we're talking, I'm like, yeah, that's it. That's, yeah. that's why it hasn't reached it yet. I'm still trying to find that. <laughs> um, so you so you end up, you know, you have a, a pretty successful career and, and a gradually progressive career mm-hmm. as, you, as you go through Mount, Mount St. Vincent. Um, you, you get to the end of your basketball career here. What are your aspirations? What are you thinking about? Like, how, how are you looking at the world? Manny, I, I was scared, like, to death because I didn't want to end. Like, here I am, like, really kind of, I feel like not even at my peak. Like, I'm averaging 26 a game, and now you're trying to tell me it's over? This ain't it. Like, th- we can't, th- no way. The so curtains the, are not closing. The here. start of your senior season, you were already looking like, damn, this is it? This is it right over? No. Okay. No. Like, I didn't go into senior trying to average 20. It just happened. Mm-hmm. Like, and again, like, people think, oh, James never passed. I didn't go into every year thinking I'm going to be the all-time league scorer or even 1,000-point scorer. I didn't care about that. I truthfully didn't. You just I want to win. Yeah. And, like... By all means necessary, and because I had worked relentlessly hard, I knew like I could hit these shots. So whether they go in or not, I have the ultimate confidence that I'm going to make them. Yeah. So I can miss 10 in a row, but I knew I could also make 12 in a row. Mm-hmm. Nothing deterred me from that. So as my senior year happened, all of a sudden now, oh, James might break the record. James might be a 1,500-point scorer. Now it's like... And what bothered me my senior year was people were talking more about my personal goals or like personal like achievements than the team. Yeah. It really pissed me off. And I knew my teammates weren't happy about it sure. either. And I like I I think guys on my team felt like this is what I wanted. And it couldn't have been further from the truth. I hated it. They were talking like I broke the record. I needed 23 points to break the record going into my final game here. It was senior day. Wow. We were playing Yeshiva University, which was a big rival. If we won, we made the playoffs. If we didn't, we were out. So you add all this. And you think the record is your focus? <laughs> you think I can't, but like, right. I can't help but think right. like. What the perception is, yeah. I mean, I, you you can't blame them either. No, it was a great thing. Yeah. You know, they were, you know, it was all over the news. When I say news, like Channel 12. Like, that that's, was kind of new. It's news. At that time. Yeah, you know, news. Riverdale News, press, or Journal News, whatever the case may be. So it was a big deal. And I, I get the whole scheme of things. Mm-hmm. But I really hated it. 
I really and truly hated it. So going into this game, the pressure to beat this record that had been in place for 20-something years or whatever it was at that time. 1,500 was the mark? It was 17. Uh, oh, no, because you said last game, 23 points to break it. So 1783 Got was it. the all-time. I ended up with 1793. Got it. But I needed 23 to break it. And I'm like... So you scored 33 points your last yeah, game? Yeah. But I it also but it, I took 30-something shots to get it. I was like Kobe. 15 of, uh, 22 of 50. Like, I didn't care. I was going to break this record. <laughs> but I wanted to just get it over with. Got it. So everyone's asked me, hey, if we break the record, we're going to call timeout. I'm like, no, you're not. No, no, no. I don't want the game stopped. So I don't break the record till late in the game. And then they, you know, they call the timeout anyway. And like... Pump and circumstance. The team is like that. And I don't care. I'm like, guys, we have a game to win. And like, it was a dogfight. And sure enough, we ended up losing. But it was just... It just wasn't... It wasn't like picturesque. It wasn't like Derek Jeter's 3,000th hit or whatever hitting a home. It wasn't anything like that. It was like very bitter. Damn. So when my season ended... You know, now there's talks of possibly playing overseas and looking into it. No one could help me. So this is when you say talks of it, meaning what? People reaching out to you? No, or? like kind of like conversations about it with coaches it. and like. But we no, might be able to put you over here and touch not with somebody even. over there. They were like, "What are you trying to do?" I'm like, "I would love to play overseas." You know, and then I started learning what a Bosman is. I have no idea who that is. So B O S M A N, I believe if I'm spelling it right, is named after a certain individual. I believe. What that means is you're an American with a European passport. Okay. So certain countries, certain leagues have limits to how many Americans could be on yes. their roster. Now with my dad who has an Irish passport, because I was able to inherit that, now I'm... You're, you're an Irishman. I'm an Irishman, but I'm an American. Yep. So looking into that, it opened up doors. But none of my coaches knew anyone no one knew any agents. No one knew teams. So here I am going to these showcases that are demanding three hundred dollars and Utah, and they're all gimmick, gimmicks. Truthfully, yeah, just, I could there's going to be thousands of recruits. You're in an empty gym looking around like, wow, damn that bad. You can't even give me one. So sure enough, luck has it where I ended up. I just went on this website in Ireland because I was like, I'm going to go to Ireland. Forget about everyone else. I'm going to Ireland. And I went on, I think, Eurobasket.com, found an Irish website, and emailed every single coach. And one got back to me and was like, let's do it. What, did you send them like a reel or something? I or? sent them like my senior, one of my games from senior year, which I had like 40 in. There was no like highlight reels. Like there was no such thing. Got it, yeah, yeah. And then my stats. And like I was first team all conference, blah, blah, blah. And like he was like, let's go. The drive initially was I've had this advantage because I'm an, I, I can be considered an Irishman mm-hmm. given given your circumstance. You're right, I, I'm going to double down here because this is probably going to be my easiest shot to get on. So a Bosman is that American that makes an uh, international team. No, so is your circumstance. Each country has a league. Yes. So Ireland had the Super League. And within that Super League, you were allowed two Americans. So yep. we had my teammates were from James Madison and Sam Houston State. Okay. So me having an Irish passport, I could go over and be an American on the team, but I'm considered a Bosman, which is an American with a European passport. Oh, so then there's an Irishman, native Irishman that's on the squad. Yes. Or, or yep. a bunch yep. of them. They live there. They're from there. 
Bosman, can they have a whole team of Bosmans if they wanted to? I think or now they had a limit. Okay. But I but at that time I think you could have unlimited. So that's like almost like a separate separate pool of people. So like yeah. you get two Americans that are not and you can have a couple Bosman. Yep. Got it's a game changer. It. It's, it's a it's game big. changer. So without that Manny, I don't I don't have a career. So the, I real, can't even call it a career. Real quick, so for you guys listening, um, if you have aspirations to play overseas, go look into your Bosmanship. Yes. because uh, that might be a good way to get your ass in, in on a team. hundred percent. Look into your roots, man. Yeah, go go find some genealogy yeah. in your life. Uh, yo, that's wild, man. Yeah. And then you took it upon yourself to say, you know what, screw it. I'm going to do my best and just directly reach out to these folks. So I, I got invited to play for this USA team. It was pay to play, but you're promised to play in front of all these different professional teams in Europe. So I ended up at Belgium mm-hmm. and Paris. We played these, I don't even know if they were even professional teams, man. But I know it was like three grand for me to be on this team and travel money grab it was yeah. like there was no opportunity to play like no Scared. one was getting signed did that then there was a showcase in utah which was like the biggest i go to that and this was like where they're told oh like a hundred scouts and coaches agents no one but parents bro hmm. like no one and i did pretty well there but turns out one of the coaches there was a coach from ireland so him and i got to talking but then he played me like he basically pick someone else like he took me down the road wow. and this is now august where i'm waiting for the contract the season's about to start in a month and he just pulls out Whew. now i'm furious because i have no other options and my mom is in my ear uh, well james you know you should go back to school i'm like i don't want to like plan b doesn't exist right and i mean this wholeheartedly like if you truly are into something don't leave yourself a plan b mm-hmm. like yeah, seriously that's a cop-out it's a cop-out <laughs> Unless, like, again, like, you're yeah, talking about dream, death. like, yeah, yeah like, yeah. this isn't really true. But I really believe in my heart of hearts, I could do this. So when that call came, he's like, oh, and he gave me a whole bunch of song and dance. I went online, and now the internet's in business. popping. You know, so I go on, and I, I just email every coach. One got back to me um, saying, like, hey, no thanks. And then the other one was like, let's go. And show, literally within like two or three weeks, I'm being shipped out. Hold on. So he said, let's go, meaning like, you're in? Here's a contract. Wow. That was his response in the email? It was like... It was, it was basically like a couple right emails. to the point. No, it was like right to the point. Wow. Like, I really like your film. Would love to, for you to come and play. Not try out. Like you're something. You're in. Like, you're in. Now you could be dropped at any given point. But sure. like they're not going to waste money on flights and all this other stuff. To just to just then now right away pay keep, for your flight back your home. Yeah. So... I was like, let's go. He told me the, the, the money and I'll, I'll be flat out. It was 500 a month. Like people think, oh, Europe, overseas. Like it's not, it, depends it, on the levels level. Yeah. yeah. And the sponsorship of that team, blah, blah, blah. So I ended up going there. And sure enough, we were the best team in the league. We won the Super League um, National Cup. Like it was like it just the way it all came out. It was crazy. So it's almost like a like an underdog kind of tales right yeah, yeah. but your situation particularly yeah. and then how you how you ascend to the championship what was your role on that team like how how did you play into it so it, it was almost like high school again oh shit i was so, hoping you didn't say no that. it was like crazy to me like i have these so there was i forget what the rule was but like i know the two americans were going to play and they were good like this one guy david fanning let me tell you something he is by far the best player I've ever played with or against. Now, mm-hmm. I went against, like, Alan Ray and Kerr Sumter and these guys. And, you know, like, this guy went to James Madison. He was, like, maybe 5'10", 
like Brolic. strong and athletic. Like I'm like, how is this dude not in the NBA? And that's where it really opened my eyes to like, James, you suck. <laughs> like, like James, like what were you? You're this 180 pound skinny scrawny like white kid. Like what are you thinking? Like who the hell? Because you, I would look at Redick like I could do that. Right. Okay. Sure you can. Right. Right. So I'm going up against him every day and like it humbled me. But at the same time, my coach was feeling me out like he had to play the Irish guys kind of first. Mm-hmm. And like I remember my first game, like I didn't really I didn't start and I I was ready to go home. I was like, I can't do this. Like Yeah, back to the drawing board again. And like sure enough, eventually my role changed, but you know, it was just now you're talking about you're a professional. And, like, you, you got to understand, like, you're now paid to play. It's just different. Like, mm-hmm. you can't always be the man. And that was – that's – Hard to. It's hard very hard reality. to swallow, man. It really is. And that's why I try to have my guys understand now. But it's tough. There's just no way to say it. You're, you're, you're coaching a Division three program here. Um, I'm, I'm interested because, right, you, you talked about it. And I think every basketball player that picks up a ball thinks the NBA or bust, right? Mm-hmm. But you have to also understand, like, even D1 players, all right, maybe the chances are a little bit higher. When you get to the D3 level, what's your mindset as you're setting expectations for your players? Because I have to imagine they come through the door and they're like, all right, I'm going to the next level. I mean, and the next level could be D2 or D1. Yeah, but that's not realistic. That's not how it goes. That's right? not real. I mean, you have the anomalies, like uh, the dude from Williams ended up at um, Michigan. I'm drawing a blank on his name. Now he's with. Now he's an NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why I'm drawing a blank, but either way, Duncan Robinson. Oh yeah. Um, so they're rarities, man. Like so, once you hit this level, you're now talking about you're the three percent. There's only three percent of high school basketball players that end up playing college at all levels. Mm. Division three is the largest because there's 300 and somewhat schools right. or 400, whatever it is. So. You once you go and hit that, there is no like Division two school calling you or Division one recruiting you. Like that doesn't happen. Okay. So once you reach college, you are where you are. Now there's been instances where people shot for the stars, they end up at Division one school, they don't like their role, and they drop down. Uh-huh. But the climb up isn't as it's, it's not, not the same. So I try to explain, guys. Listen, we you could all it's it's important to have individual goals. But they have to align with the team. So if you're out here trying to break my record or score 20 a game, if you have the skill set, I'm going to do everything I can to complement that, but within the team realm. You're trying to go one-off and you don't care, then it's not going to work Mm -hmm. because it didn't work for me. So as much as I was scoring, I was losing at the same time. I had a losing record all four years. I had three coaches in four years I didn't mention. And I'm not trying to have that experience again for any of these guys. So there's continuity to it. There's schemes to what we're doing. And if you ultimately have proven in practice day after day, like you could hit these shots and you could score, I'm going to let you rock. Yeah. But you got to like show me that. Not like, oh, you just killed this one game. Now all of a sudden I'm going to play for a season or like you had one good practice so I should start you the next. I need that body work. And like, how often are you in the gym outside of our practice right. times? Then I really know who I have. Now I know like this guy is all about it. And I say, even to the kids I recruit, if it comes down the road 
where there's a potential opportunity for you to continue your career, I will go above and beyond to help you. I will show you all the, you know, help you navigate this. And I have friends still playing overseas. My friend who I play with in Ireland now owns the team that I played for. <laughs> That's great. So I have that. But I'm like, you can't go in here with that, like, the forefront of your mind. Right. That has to be down the road. And you have to earn that. You have like, to earn you that. You have to prove that. So if you come in and you've now earned the opportunity to play here, now you got to work to start. Then you got to work to be the man. you got to then work to be an all-conference player. And if you slowly, you know, chip away at those individual goals, then maybe that's what will be an option for you at the end. How substantial is it from a mind frame standpoint for these kids that do make it here to achieve a degree as like their North Star? Like, is that a real, because you got kids that leave high school, you know, the, the, the upper echelon, the yep. one and dones, yep. right? They don't care about no degree. Yep. Then you've got the rest who some do, some don't. I don't, I don't necessarily know too many folks in D3, so I'm, I'm trying to figure out, like, what is the mentality? Is, it, is a degree, like, for the majority of players, something that they're really trying to, striving for, or are they still hoop dreaming? The whole... I think it depends on the, the person. Okay. You know, for me, so I didn't bags. care about my degree. School for me was a necessary evil. I had to do it in order to play basketball. The second I was done with school, man... I was done. done. Like yeah. the thought of having to go back to school, get a master's, and that's why I never got into teaching. I had I wanted nothing to do with it. Like getting up every day at seven. Like no, <laughs> like no, like absolutely, positively not taking subjects that I have absolutely no interest in. Nor will it help me in my life. You know, like I don't want to get too deep into academics, yeah. but you know, some people do come in. Like yeah, I want to be a nurse. I want to be a lawyer. I want to be this. I want to be that. Hey man, all for it. But if you're also coming to play basketball, you gotta be able to balance both. Yeah. And at the Division Three level, like some schools, especially here, like you don't have preferred class scheduling, so you have to take class like everyone else. In the allotted times that classes are offered, there's no gap of like, hey, we'll practice twelve to two on a Monday. Classes are from eight thirty to three forty-five for the most part, and then night class. So I have to either practice at six a.m. before classes begin wow. or late at night. Like tomorrow, we're going 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. because some of my kids have night class, some of my kids have afternoon classes. So I have no other way to have everyone to practice other than to go late at night. So every year, your schedule potentially changes? 100%. Yeah. 100%. You know, I, I've, I've lost two kids this year alone because they're nursing majors and they have to do clinicals and they have to work from like 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. at a hospital and there's no way they could do basketball. Mm. And I tell them, like, listen, that's an important part of what you, that's what you're ultimately here for. Yeah. But there is that commitment. So I tell them all the time, like, I'm never going to tell you you have to choose one or no, the other. Right. I will work within what we have. But just understand, like, if you don't play, it's really because set. you haven't been to practice right. or, like, you missed the practice of preparation for this game. So you don't know the scout. You don't know the wall, nothing. So it's not. I don't want you to feel you're being punished. So some have just, like, walked away. Like, I can't do this. Like, it wouldn't be fair. And, like, to their credit, man, like, and again, it's relationship stuff. They understand, like, you know what? I understand what the team's trying to do. I don't want to deter from that. And also, too, I don't want to waste kind of a year of, of like, I'm halfway in, I'm halfway yeah. out. So I'm like, hey, man, like, because junior year for nursing is, is really difficult. Rigorous, yeah. Then it's your senior year that kind of chills out, less classes, more clinical work, but it's, 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 you have a more flexible schedule. I'm like, hey, man, just sit out the year. 
you know, be a manager or be part of the team, you know, but handle that aspect. Mm-hmm. And it's sometimes people come in and say, you know what, basketball's just not it. I just want my degree. And that's, and that's fine, fine too. Yeah. You know, so teach his own. How do you, so you mentioned recruiting. How do you go about, because when we spoke, um, when I first met you, I know you try to get a diverse group of folks in the door so that there's a good balance, a good mix. How do you approach that? Because I, I have to imagine that has to be, A, time consuming, yeah. and B, probably pretty challenging because you're not just looking within the confines of New York City State or yeah. the tri-state. You're looking out all over the place how do you go about it i mean i don't want you to divulge any trade no, secrets no, that I mean, might affect listen, you everyone has their way you know and some schools recruit themselves you know if you're at a really good academic school like everyone wants to go over there yeah. you know so that makes kind of your life easier you know for us again especially when you're out of state college of mount saint vincent what is that mm-hmm. where is that you know like what the hell's riverdale you say bronx and like People know Bronx. And they want to run away. And they want to run away. I'm like, yeah. just come. Just come to the campus. Yeah. You know, like, I understand we have a Bronx address, but, like, just come. So that's more than half the battle. But when I recruit, you know, I try to branch out as much as possible. Now, we don't have these deep recruiting budgets where I could go fly here, fly there. You know, so a lot of it is online. You know, there's different websites. And a lot of these kids reach out to to me also they pull a mooney they they email they pull you a mooney. They're, they're emailing <laughs> me so you know i'll take a look at some of these some i won't i'll just delete you know it is what it is but ultimately for me i want the name out there so if i just stay within the tri-state area let's just say i get this one-off kid from california he's the first one to come when he graduates i have no way of helping him in california where he's ultimately going to live right so I need to start finding these pockets, these areas of kids to, that I can recruit from. That way I now have an alumni base. Oh, a network. So if a kid from California now decides to come, yeah, I've had two kids play. And like the draw is, it's New York. You yeah. can be the first, blah, blah, Manhattan's blah. It's right there. Exactly. So sometimes the out-of-state kids, like that's the big sell mm-hmm. is New York City, New York City, because we're minutes away. Yep. You could see it from the edge of our campus, New York City. So that's kind of where I'm at because I could, I'm going to get those New York City kids regardless. You yeah. know, some want to just be close to home where it's affordable, you know, whatever the case may be. So I know that I, I could get those kids by just being the College of Mount St. Vincent and they'll fall on my lap. Especially mm-hmm. I have a lot, good relationships with a lot of these high school coaches. So they want to send their kids here. So I just work my way kind of out because those are the challenges. And if I could... You know, if I get a kid from out of state, like, that's a big compliment to the school, to the state. Kids want to come to the College of Mount St. Vincent from miles away. Yeah. They want to leave their family to come here. I think that's fantastic. Mm. And we have a lot of uh, current students from, like, Hawaii. Like, it's great. That's a hell of a trip. And why the hell would you want to leave Hawaii? Yeah, good point. But, you know, (laughs) nursing's a big thing. Oh, that's true. So if you're into nursing or the sciences, College of Mount St. Vincent is one of the best. So you got into coaching, I assume, because you just couldn't leave the game and this was an, a good place to be beyond the game. I had no desire to coach. Interesting. Truthfully. You know, when I was done playing, and it was a bitter bitter end to that too, you know. Um, when I came back from Switzerland, it was a one-month deal, and it was around December or so. I think it was like December 9th, if I remember correctly. 
And I went and visited Coach Vic at Iona. They were already a month or two in their season. And he's like, why don't you join the staff? Like, just volunteer, help me out. Be like our player developer. I was like, all right. You know, I was just to be around the game and like to still kind of practice. Like there, I was thrown into drills all the time. So it was fun like kicking their ass. Yeah. So were, were you thinking about it from the perspective of, well, I'll get this training here sort and of, work out and maybe I'll yeah. find another job? 100%. Okay. 100%. But I also kind of knew it was the end. So it was kind of my way of just still kind of scratching that itch. Um, but just being around the game, you know, and I, and I loved Coach Vic, so I loved being around him. And, you know, like as his assistant, I, re- I just really liked everything about it, like the preparation, the, you know, the pre-practice. All right, what drills are we going to do? Why are we doing this drill before that drill? What's the buildup? What, what's the focus of today? Who are we playing next week? All right, we need to focus. I was like, oh, this is the like, mental side of it. Like, like real pro coaching. This is awesome. Wow. So now in games, like, it was weird because, like, I'm, like, the fourth, third assistant. Like, he has paid assistants. Mm-hmm. He's looking through them. James, what do you want? James, what do you think? That's funny. Full circle. Full <laughs> circle. And the assistant coach is looking at me like, who are you? Yeah. <laughs> like, but, like, I, I knew Vic. If you didn't know Coach Vic, it was very hard to just get under his good graces. Yeah, or yeah. like for him to trust you, because yeah. like guys would say certain things, but like we didn't practice that, so I knew what to say, yeah. when to say it, how to say it, and because I played for him, and I guess he had a respect factor for me too, because of you know what I was able to do with you know after leaving him, like having the college career that I have, then playing overseas. Fun fact is I was the first player in Iona Prep history to play professionally. Really? Yeah. Damn, you got accolades all over the place. And you would think, like, with Ty Jerome and these guys, like, yeah. So, like, when Ty was drafted, I, like, joked, like, just so you know, I was the first pro- professional player. I did it before you. <laughs> now, not the NBA professional, but yeah, that's, but, but like, pro, that's pro, your pro. fact. Yeah. Right? So, <laughs> for me, it was, like, when, that, when I started to feel that and now players are coming to me and, like, I just loved the dynamic. Mm-hmm. Now, I wanted nothing to do with being a head coach. Absolutely nothing. But you're I, also a competitor. I know. And so, what ended up happening was I ended up at House of Sports in Ardsley. Beautiful place, by the way. When that opened up, I was all over it because... There, were, there was an opportunity to be a full-time basketball coach. I was like, what does that even mean? Right. Like, is this real? Right. So sure enough, I ended up getting in there. And now I had to be the head coach of like a third-grade team, an eighth-grade team. And I was like, there's just no way I could ever go back. Here I am making all the decisions, all the subs, all the plays. And I fell in love with that. Mm-hmm. Before, I was cool with like, hey, just making the suggestion. Yep. Whatever you want to do, yeah. that's on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You mess up, that's on you. Like, you know, <laughs> I'm coasting over here. That's it. Now it's all on me, and that's just who I am. I want it. I want all the blame, and I want all the glory. That's just how I am. Mm. You know. So I'm not fearful of the blowback. I'm not fearful of the moment. I'm all for it. So at House of Sports, you're thinking, what the hell's third grade basketball? How does that make you? But. It was that, like being the man standing up, calling the plays, and like being that maestro and yeah. seeing it come together. That's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's art. It's art. There's just there's no better feeling. And I almost like that more than playing. I really do. Wow. Yeah. Because as a player, you're just under- playing. I can understand it, though. I, could do- I mean, because you got to also, uh, you think about coaches, 
especially like in our era of, of bass, like the 90s, 2000s, like even still today, you still see some of it. But like the long tenured coaches, like these guys, 20, 30, 40 years coaching, there has to be something more than just a check or calling yourself a coach that, that makes you stick with it. And I think you just hit it on the head that I didn't really point to. It's like you are masterfully piecing together like all these different elements. And when you see that finished product on the floor, it's like it's got to be. You want to recreate that all the time. Man, do you know what it is to call or like let's just say an after timeout play. Like that's a big stat, especially mm-hmm. in the NBA. What's your mm-hmm. after timeout? To draw up a play and see it executed into a basket or like – to see the desired outcome. To see a kid hitting a shot that you have worked on him with for hours after practice or before practice, and to see it come to life. It's like you have kids, we have kids. Yeah. To see your son or daughter finally take their first steps, like to be a part of helping them. That's the thrill, man. Yeah, that's dope. That's the, the wins and losses. Don't get me wrong. I want to yeah, win was, more than yeah. anyone. But that's what keeps me up at night. It's like, I want that. And like for me at this level, it's so much more than basketball. Like I always talk about bigger than basketball. I'm trying to help these kids graduate. Not only graduate, but graduate on time. Like I literally almost came to tears and like actually hugged one of my players when he told me his GPA was, or like his midterm grades were like A, A, B, B. This is a kid whose GPA was like 2-4. And now he's telling me his midterm, I was like, Wow. But we implemented a, a stronger academic standard this year. And, like, to see now, hey, you know, I up my requirements and now I'm more on top of that. You know, like, study hall is, like, such a cliche. Like, yeah. all right, we're study hall. No, we actually now make sure you have tutors. It's a core part of how you got We don't do study hall. We do tutoring. Right, right. So, study hall, all right, everyone's in a room doing work. But what is You accomplish nothing. So, hey, for someone that's struggling, we are going to schedule tutoring for you and blah, blah, blah. And then to see now all of a sudden their grades go up. That's what it's all about. Mm. So for me, it's the basketball side of things. It's the professional development. It's the academic development. Having their grades go up. Having them graduate on time. Ha- helping them to find a job afterwards. That to me is like, it's the beauty of what I do. You said you didn't want to be a teacher, but my friend. I am. That's fundamentally what you I am. are. But you just didn't have to go get a master's. I didn't have to get a master's and I don't have to be in a classroom. Clutch. 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 <laughs> Seriously, what I read somewhere, and I know it's probably your first season here. Your team averaged a three zero. Yes, is that still the case? No. Okay. No, and I'll tell you, that's very difficult. It's very difficult. We were like in high academic. We had eight seniors, so by your senior year, you're taking, you know, all your major courses. You're not taking religion and philosophy and the one hundred one nonsense that kills you spanish yeah yeah yeah. like so you once you get all your core classes out of the way and now you're focusing on your major your gpa goes up yeah as you're more engaged you're more engaged you're more interested blah 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 you know so for us after that first year we had one senior last year got it so now my freshmen sophomores and juniors are are still taking the core requirements and it's the gpa is just yeah, dropping which sense. is an excuse but it's it's reality it's a reality too. you know it's tough i mean I, I wasn't an athlete in my first couple of years who boy <laughs> tell me about it i've had kids change majors after their first semester because I, they're like i did that this ain't it i did that quick fast and yeah. hurry i did that <laughs> yep so i mean it is we took a hit but i was like I'm the first one to say I'm I'm the reason why. So if these kids are doing bad, it's I have to do something better. 
So we upped the game where it's like anyone below 2.7, you need three tutors for any three subjects you want. So that's on you. But of your five classes, if we have you tutoring for three of them, you should at least now get a 2.7 and above. Yeah. And the odds are for sure. The odds are we help you. And now we manage that. And my assistant, God bless him, this guy, Mike McClendon, he is fantastic. He owns that part of it. And we have their class schedules. We have their syllabus. We know when a project's due. We know when a test is coming up. Then you have to submit to him the grades. So when we see kids that are even coming in here with very high grades, if we see them struggling in a class, we right away get a, a tutor. Nip it in the we're, we're catching it before the midterm grade comes out or even before the final grade comes out. We are all over it. We, we're now telling kids, hey, you should drop that class. Wow. You're about you become a counselor also. You have to because that F is going to kill you. Yeah. And they don't get it. And it's so much easy. It's so easy. I tell my kids this now. My oldest is 12. I tell her it's very – and she's striving to be on the honor roll every semester of her junior high. But she's like she, – she saw it finally. But I told her, look, you can get 90s all day long, and that's great, and you should. But as soon as you get a D – that 90 becomes damn near a 70. I know, man. But for you Especially to, in college. For, yeah. For you to get back up to 90, it's double the work. It's hard, much harder. Because yep. things de- uh, what is it? decelerate much faster, unfortunately, as far as grades go, than they accelerate and move yep. up. So it's, it's – I mean, that's dope. I'm, I've never heard a, a team coach be so involved in, in that process and really have an accountability toward it because – you guys have a system, it seems, yeah. like to to catch all this stuff. Yeah, it's not easy. No, it's not easy. It's a lot of work, and Mike is in a, is part time here. Like wow. he's he's got other family requirements, you know, work requirements, but he loves bass when he shares the same passion I do. So him and I just work fantastically well together. That's dope. Shout and, out to Mike. Yeah, but we appreciate that side of it. Like I don't look at you as just a player. I'm looking at you as the man. Don't worry, I'm not a player. But, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I got you. I got you. I got a busted balls. <laughs> but like, that's the reality. And like, what good are you if like? Here's my whole thing. If you're just good to me as the basketball player and you don't perform well for me, are you now dead to me? Like, mm. like I said, like I'm a relationship guy. If I'm just looking at you as like a basketball player, like there's no joy in that for me. Like yeah. Popovich said it one day. He was like, if all I talk about is basketball, that's pretty boring. That's, that's the God's honest truth. Like when I go home, basketball is one of the last things I want to watch, truthfully. I, you're in it every day. I'm in it every day. I need to watch it because I'll learn a few things. But there's also like I just want to shut it off. Like because then it just becomes, I think, nauseating. Yeah, yeah. Like you're too in it too like much. E- even when I was growing up I had baseball so I would play baseball basketball always was pulling me and naturally that's where I went but I always had kind of like diversion I could do something else right I could play wiffle ball I could you know but you know that's why I, when I go home it's just it's no fun like when I talk to my kid the players I'm like I'm almost talking this, to other stuff outside basketball right I want to know who you are What's going on? Like, what's happening? Where, where you work? Where you going this summer? You know, et cetera, et cetera. If all I'm talking about, hey man, you got to pull up here. You should shoot this shot, and you know, you should. Oh, come on, man! No one wants to hear that. Too much. It's too much. So, Coach James Mooney today, Mount St. Vincent, is coaching. What you will continue to do? It's my calling, man. Like, and I will not let anything deter from that. You know, I'm an associate athletic director too, and I hate it. Like, that's nothing against. The position, it's just, 
it's part you know of what I need to do. Got it. Right. But you know that's not, if you had your your choice, you know that's not where you would double down. Administration, I'm telling you, there's just no way. I like when I'm 80 years old, and like you sort you sort you sort you see people transitioning from coaching into administration. Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of like I want to be an AD. I want to get away from the court. I can't see myself doing that. Like I'm drawn to the teaching aspect, and my basketball court is my classroom. Like. The ball's my chalkboard. Like, there's no other way to say it. Mm-hmm. You know, even, you know, to this day, like, I have guys that I continue to develop. And I talk about all things, like, more than basketball. Like, hey, what's going on? What are you doing here? What are you doing there? Like, you need help working. Like, that's the stuff I care about. And if you remove that from me, like, there's just no way. I, I can't do it. You know, I didn't tell you, but, like, when I came back overseas, too, I needed a full-time job. We didn't talk about that. You're right. That's kind of big. <laughs> My full-time job was t- Time Warner Cable, which was now is now Spectrum. Yeah. That went on strike, still on strike. It was literally down the street from here, 215th Street in Inwood oh, and yeah. Broadway. I was at that warehouse. How I got that was through Mr. New. His good friend is a general foreman. How did I meet him? I trained his daughter who played at Spelman. Just how this all comes full circle is crazy. Basketball, but opening doors all over Time Warner taught me that there's just no way I could do any job outside of basketball. And Time Warner with the hours, like, it was taking me away from basketball. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I will never let that happen again. So I left Time Warner and became a part-time gym teacher after getting married. I am now a part-time gym teacher twice a week at St. Francis of Assisi on Baychester Avenue. Then House of Sports had opened up, but I was only part-time there. I'm volunteering or whatever I'm doing at Iona. I'm making maybe $20,000 a year, and I'm married. <laughs> Living at home wow. with my parents, with my wife, because that was a sacrifice I was willing to make. And God bless my wife for saying, all right. I was just about to say, because that's hard. She funds my hobby, man. God bless. But I couldn't. I just... I wouldn't be happy. Like, there's just no way. You take bass away from me, I'm not the same man. There's no way. There's no way. Wow. That's yeah. pretty dope. That's a spectacular fucking journey. Yeah. I, I appreciate you sharing. Is there, do you see yourself, as, and, and again, I'm not, I'm not trying to put you in a tough spot here, yep. but, you know, coaching has so many different levels. Mm-hmm. Is coaching at the college level where you find it to be the, the best for you? Is high was high school is a different level in in college? You think like what are your aspirations as it as the journey continues? Yeah, I mean I'm taking it as it goes. Like I'm here at Mount Vincent where I went to school, where I met my wife. I live ten minutes away. Like I'm coaching basketball. Like it's I'm happy. Like I'm genuinely happy. I'm not necessarily looking for the next best thing yeah. because. Sometimes the grass isn't greener, man. Maybe most times it's not. Maybe it's a school with better facilities. Maybe it's a school with higher pay. Whatever the case may be, I'm okay for now. Now, if opportunities come, they come. You know, or if I'm in a situation where I have to leave, then it is what it is. But where I'm at, it's hard to say because I was at high school, and at Iona Prep, we were a very high level team. Like we had kids that you know went to Virginia, went to Notre Dame, went to New Hampshire, went to Vermont. You name it. It's like, I'm dealing with very good athletes. Mm-hmm. Then I go to Ryan Eck, where I'm the head coach. 
and I'm dealing with very, very, very high academic kids where basketball is kind of like secondary, very secondary, <clears throat> where the skill level is a major drop off. And that's its own challenge. Mm-hmm. So where I'm at right now, the challenge is, all right, make sure they graduate, make sure they have good enough GPA so that if they need to go to grad school, they could get in. You know, so it's not just good enough to graduate. If you have right. a low enough GPA, you, you, can't, can still grad- you, you can't go to grad school. Right, like, but you can still potentially graduate, yeah. but you can't get to grad you school. You can't get to grad school right. or like really further your, your kind of education in certain areas. But, you know, then it's finding jobs and it's also maximizing your basketball opportunity and winning games. You now go to a, a Division One school, now it's, it's really kind of like winning. You know, like, and if you're at a certain level, like if you're at Duke, Kentucky, these power five yeah. schools, it's all about getting them to, to the NBA. Yep. It's not so much about the academic standard. Right. So each situation, each school, each whatever has its own challenges. It's, for me, it's where I'm at in my life at that point. Is it what we'll I, you know, f- so for me, I can't say I'll never go division one. I'll never sure. go, or even NBA, NBA, the challenge would be, all right. How do I help these guys manage their lifestyle? How do I help them manage their money? How do I help them? So like, you know, like that's its own challenge. How do I get all these egos, all these guys together? And that's why the NBA is is so difficult because it's not just X's and O's, man. You're dealing with agents. You're dealing with GMs. You're dealing with so many different people telling you how they want their team ran or how they want their player to play, what position because, you know, you're hurting my player's stock by not putting right. too many so, too many people involved. Yeah, you can't just coach. No, hell no. Absolutely mm. not. So for those that can, God bless. God bless, man. But for me, it's just I'll take it day by day, year by year, see where it goes. If opportunities come up, great. You know, ultimately winning helps that. You know, as good as what we I feel we're doing, we gotta win. You know, because then I think that's the true test of any coach or program is wins. Yeah. Yeah. And rightfully so, it it is. But, you know, kind of our motto here is, like, even when we lose, we win. And what that means is, all right, we might not be winning games, but kids are graduating. You know, we're doing the right thing in the community. We're doing a ton of community service and, you know, all these different team activities like hiking and going to a Westchester Knicks game. or That's what it's all about, you know, but... It's tough, you know, but it's hard to say whether I'd be here, there, or what I want to do. Right now, I'm just, I'm very happy with where I am. Everything's good now. Everything's good. Where life takes me, it's hard. I can't tell you where I'm going to be three or five years now. I just know I'm going to be in basketball. Yeah, that's not changing. That's not changing. And I want to be at least at the minimum at the college level. Because I don't want anything deterring my full-time, like, mental capacity to this. Mm -hmm. If you're coaching at the high school level, you're a teacher or you're, you know, you have another job and then you're coaching after school. Like, right. no, this is like this is it full time, like basketball. Sir, I thank you from the bottom of my heart for you uh, actually sitting with us, sharing all this wonderful stuff. I wish you and the Dolphins a great year. Um, what would you say if we talk again in six months? If you could tell me how your season went, what do you predict it to be? <sighs> yeah, boy. Yeah, old boy is yeah. right. You know, like, well, first off, I got to say thank you for this opportunity. Like, I, I'm not even the type to, like, really hear my, love hearing myself talk. But I really do feel I have a story that's very unique in yep. a lot of ways. 
Um, so I really, really thank you for this. This is awesome. Thank you. Um, man. And what you're doing is fantastic. Appreciate like, it. You know, I'm gonna pump this out to everyone and everyone I know. We would love that. Dribbling dimes. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna finally pass. That's what I'm gonna do. All right, I'm gonna dish and dime this podcast. You about, you about to go pro and assist oh, yeah, right you now. Gotta believe it. But six months from now, you know, ultimately, what we have outlined for this year, I think, is really, really special and. Ultimately, I hope in six months' time it's a championship and all that stuff. But knowing what we have ahead and what we've already done, we've played Iona College. That was a great experience. We played a really tough Moravian team uh, this past Monday, an NCAA tournament team. We lost them by eight, but we played so phenomenally well after a really bad first game against SUNY Delhi, who kicked our butt. Mm. But we also still have a California trip coming up for Thanksgiving. So we're going out there for from Thursday to Monday, so four nights or five, whatever it is, for Thanksgiving. We're going out there as a team. That's a great team experience. Mm-hmm. We're playing Columbia University, which is another Division One experience. Um, we're playing Wesleyan, Ramapo, a bunch of other top 20. We're playing NJCU. They're a top 25 school in the country. We're playing very, very, very good competition. So, and then you mix in the conference play. Like, with all that, you know, we went on a team hike before the season started. So, like, we have so many special things that we're doing. That six months' time, again, it'll be even if we did lose, we won Mm. sort of deal. Like, we we played teams from all over the country. We traveled. We played a team from Pennsylvania. We played a team from California, New Jersey. That exposure, yeah. That whole process i think ultimately and you know is going to make it a really really fun environment and something we could build on and something that i could sell to recruits like hey you come here Here's yes what you can expect you, you might not be at a division one school but we're going to make it everything division one ask as possible we're going to travel we're going to go here we're going to go there we're going to play very top-notch level schools we're even going to play division one schools so for me, in six months' time, ultimately, obviously, it's, it's the championship. But I think everything else we have planned, you know, from here on out, I think it's going to be a great year. Well, we wish you the best. I appreciate that. I hope to be able to come to at least one of your games. Hey, man. And actually We're in the Bronx or Riverdale. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll come in here with all my Bronx swag. Yeah, hey, man. That's all I'm all for. <laughs> no, man. But thank you, man. It's a pleasure. Same here. Thank I you so much, it. man. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dribbling Dimes. If you like what you heard, please leave a review or comment wherever you're listening to us now. Check us out on social media as well. We're live on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. On all platforms, you can find us at D-R-I-B-B-L-E-N-D-I-M-E-S.